told them that yet. So I, I absolutely think we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Victoria Stilwell covers economics for Bloomberg News. We got her uh, in our bureau in Washington. Victoria, thanks very much. Thanks so much. Oil hit $50 a barrel today, and then it fell because it's oil, yo. Stocks were up, and then they fell because they're stocks. We'll have the details when we do the numbers. Lest you'd been under the misapprehension that the presidential primary debate season is over, I would suggest you just haven't been paying attention this cycle. Donald Trump was on the Jimmy Kimmel show last night where he was asked about debating Bernie Sanders. Said he'd love to do it. Sure. Today, Sanders appears to have agreed to it. He's going on the Kimmel show tonight, by the way. But if you step back and really think about it, Trump and Sanders, populists both, although in different ways, do have some things in common. We asked Marketplace's Nancy Marshall-Genzer what their debate might be like. So if you missed it last night, Donald Trump said he'd do a debate to benefit charity. If he paid a nice sum toward a charity, I would love to do that. Sanders tweeted back, game on. Would they take the gloves off? Yeah, but think about what they have in common. And I'm not just talking about their, shall we say, unique and sometimes uncooperative hair and the way they both wave their arms and yell. They're yelling about some of the same stuff says Lee Drutman, a senior fellow at New America. Both of them speak to a growing share of the American population that is concerned about the wages that they're earning, concerned about the future. Trump and Sanders are both big defenders of Social Security, and they talk the same tough talk on trade. David Meyer teaches sociology and political science at the University of California, Irvine. They're able to blame trade agreements and a kind of globalization that has undermined earnings. And they both promise to find ways to change this. And there's the rub. Sanders and Trump may agree on these economic problems, but their solutions are dramatically different. And clearly, they have huge differences over Trump's wall with Mexico, for example. Meyer says those differences could keep Trump and Sanders from stealing each other's supporters. Or would they? Yana Kripnikov teaches political science at Stony Brook University. She says if you frame the issues carefully, you could get people to ignore the solution while focusing on um, the way you talk about the problem. So don't expect the yelling and hand-waving to stop anytime soon. In Washington, I'm Nancy Marshall-Genzer for Marketplace. We went out on Twitter and Facebook this morning and asked, assuming this political fever dream does eventually come true, what you would like to hear Trump and Sanders talk about. You can read some of what people said and offer your own ideas at Marketplace.org. Much was made a couple of days ago about Mr. Trump's new financial arrangement with the Republican National Committee, what's known as a joint fundraising committee. The Democrats have one with Secretary Clinton as well, we should say. Deals between candidates and the national and state parties to raise money Jointly, Marketplace's Kimberly Adams explains how they work and how much we're talking about here. From a fundraising perspective, these joint setups are great. Frank Donatelli worked for the Republican National Committee in 2008. He coordinated joint fundraising for the McCain campaign. You can go to large donors and say, look, we're not going to have multiple entities hitting you up for money. Instead, you can roll together the max donations for the candidate, the party, the convention, and a whole bunch of states all into one big fat check. 
everybody has to make their own judgment whether or not there's too much money in politics and whether donors should be allowed to write such large checks. But that's the law as interpreted by the Supreme Court. Now, it used to be that each person had a maximum you could donate in an election cycle, regardless of how it was distributed. But in 2014, the Supreme Court said those aggregate limits were unconstitutional. Tara Malloy of the Campaign Legal Center warned back then that lifting those limits would create an easy path around campaign contribution caps. Sometimes you like to say, I told you so, but here it's a, a bittersweet thing to have to say. Malloy says today, just what she predicted is happening. The aggregate amounts are given to all the different groups and then simply transferred back often to the big party committees, which then use it for the benefit of the headlining presidential candidate. Now, these committees aren't breaking the law. They are collecting the cash and, in theory, distributing it to the groups involved.